ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So in the previous lessons we've been talking about the statement alhamdulillah and today the chapter is going to discuss when are some of the times when it is more emphasized and recommended for a person to say alhamdulillah So the chapter is Al-Mawatinu Allati Yata'akkadu Fiha Alhamdu The times when it is more recommended and emphasized that a person should say Alhamdulillah Alhamd matloobun min al-muslimi fi kulli waqtin waheen Generally speaking, a Muslim should always be praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Generally speaking, a Muslim should always be praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِذْ إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ فِي كُلِّ أَوْقَاتِهِ مُتَقَلِّبٌ فِي نِعْمَةِ اللَّهِ Because a servant is constantly within the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, throughout your lives, you are always within a blessing of Allah, one blessing to the next blessing. You are always within the blessings of Allah. And so a servant should always be upon the praise of Allah. وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ خَالِقُ الْخَلْقِ وَرَازِقُهُمْ وَأَسْبَغَ عَلَيْهِمْ نِعَمَهُ ظَاهِرَةُ وَبَاطِنَةُ دِينِيَّةُ وَدُنْيَوِيَّةُ وَدَفَعَ عَنْهُمُ النِّقَمْ وَالْمَكَارِحُ فَلَيْسَ بِالْعِبَادِ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ إِلَّا وَهُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا وَلَا يَدْفَعُ الشَّرَّ عَنْهُمْ سِوَاهُ A servant is constantly within the blessing of Allah And Allah is the one who created all of this creation. And Allah is the one who provides for all of the creation. And He is the one who has bestowed upon us all of these blessings, the apparent from them or the hidden, whether they are blessings in our religion or in the worldly affairs. And He is the one who removes from us the harms and that which we dislike. So there is not any blessing that a servant is within except that it has come to him from Allah. There is not any blessing a servant is within. A servant experiences, a servant is given. Except that it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nobody 
removes the evil from you except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ يَسْتَحِقُّ مِنْهُمْ الْحَمْدُ وَالثَّنَاءُ فِي كُلِّ وَقْتٍ وَحِينَ So if that is the case, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of being praised at every time, being praised constantly. كَمَا أَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ يَسْتَحِقُّ الْحَمْدَ لِكَمَالِ صِفَاتِهِ وَلِمَا لَهُ مِنَ الْأَسْمَاءِ الْحُسْنَى وَالنُّعُوتِ الْعَظِيمَةِ الَّتِي لَا تَنْبَغِي إِلَّا لَهُ Also Allah deserves to be praised because of the attributes of perfection that Allah has and the beautiful names and attributes that Allah has that are not befitting for anyone besides Him, the beautiful and perfect names and attributes of Allah that are not befitting for anyone besides Him upon those great and majestic and honorable and lofty Names and attributes of Allah. Allah is deserving of praise. فَكُلُّ اسْمٍ مِنْ أَسْمَائِهِ وَكُلُّ صِفَةٍ مِنْ صِفَاتِهِ يَسْتَحِقُّ عَلَيْهَا أَكْمَلَ الْحَمْدُ وَالثَّنَةِ So every name and attribute of Allah, it is deserving that Allah is praised upon that with the greatest and the perfect of praise. فَكَيْفَ يَجْمَعُ فَكَيْفَ بِجَمِيعِ أَسْمَائِهِ الْحُسْنَى وَصِفَاتِهِ الْعَظِيمَةِ So if every single name and attribute of Allah is a cause and a means for Allah to be deserving of your praise, then what therefore if you think about all of the names and attributes of Allah, and how much praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of. وَكَمَا أَنَّ الْحَمْدَ مَطْلُوبٌ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِ فِي كُلِّ وَقْتٍ إِلَّا أَنَّ هُنَاكَ أَوْقَاتًا مُعَيَّنَةً وَأَحْوَالًا مَخْصُوصًا تَمُرُّ بِالْعَبْدِ يَكُونُ فِيهَا الْحَمْدُ أَكْثَرَ تَأْكِيدًا So praising Allah is something that a servant should constantly remember to do. But there are certain times when you should remember even more. Certain times when you should remember even more. And certain circumstances where it's emphasized and it's recommended and encouraged even more to be upon the remembrance of Allah to say, Alhamdulillah. وَمِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَوْقَاتِ وَالْأَحْوَالِ حَمْدُ اللَّهِ فِي الْخُطْبَةِ وَفِي اسْتِفْتَاحِ الْأُمُورِ So from amongst these times, when you are supposed to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it is emphasized more so to do so, one of those times is in the khutbah, 
The khutbatul haja, for example, when you begin, إِنَّ الْحَمْدَ لِلَّهِ نَحْمَدُهُ وَنَسْتَعِينُهُ That is the praise of Allah that it begins with there. إِنَّ الْحَمْدَ لِلَّهِ نَحْمَدُهُ وَنَسْتَعِينُهُ All praises to Allah, we praise Him and seek His aid and assistance. And also, فِاسْتِفْتَاحِ الْأُمُورِ At the start of doing your affairs, وَفِي الصَّلَاةِ And during the prayer, within the prayer, وَعَقِبَ الطَّعَامُ وَالشَّرَابُ وَالْلِبَاسِ And after eating and drinking and wearing your garments, وَعِنْدَ الْعُطَاسِ And upon sneezing, وَنَحْوِ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْمَوَاطِنِ الَّتِي وَرَدَ فِي السُنَّةِ تَخْصِيصُهَا بِتَأَكُّدِ الْحَمْدِ فِيهَا and other than that from the different times that have been mentioned in the sunnah specifically emphasizing them to say alhamdulillah in them. So here now we will mention some of the evidences regarding these times. وَلَعَلَّ مِنَ الْحَسَنِ أَنْ نَقِفَ مَعَ بَعْضِ النُّصُوصِ الْمُشْتَمِلَةِ عَلَى ذِكْرِ الْأَوْقَاتِ وَالْمَوَاطِنِ الَّتِي يَتَأَكَّدُ فِيهَا الحمد مما وردت به سنة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. So we will mention some of the texts, some of the ayat, some of the ahadith, where in the sunnah we have been told to do the praise of Allah and to say alhamdulillah specifically. So one of those times mentioned in that brief list is when you are eating and drinking upon food that you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon your food you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon eating قال الله تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا كلوا من طيبات ما رزقناكم وَاشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَّاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ In the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says, O oh, you who believe, eat from the good and the halal that we have provided for you. Eat from the good and the halal that we have given you as provisions. And, وَاشْكُرُوا لِلَّهِ And thank Allah. Eat from the good and the halal food which Allah has given you as a rizq. And then also, thank Allah upon that food. إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَّاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ If indeed it is Him that you worship. So praise Allah and thank Allah upon the food that you have been given and the rizq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided you. And say, Alhamdulillah, Upon that food. وَرَوَى مُسْلِمٌ فِي صَحِيحِهِ عَنْ أَنِسِ بْنِ مَالِكِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ And Imam Muslim has reported from Anas ibn Malik that the Prophet sallallahu said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَيَرْضَى عَنِ الْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ الْأَكْلَةِ فَيَحْمُدَهُ عَلَيْهَا 
وَيَشْرَبُ الشُّرْبَةِ فَيَحْمَدُهُ عَلَيْهَا So إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَيَرْضَى عَنِ الْعَبْدِ Allah is pleased with a servant. أَنْ يَأْكُلَ الْأَكْلَ That when that servant eats some food, فَيَحْمَدُهُ عَلَيْهَا That he praises Allah upon that food he was given. He says, Alhamdulillah, upon that food that is given and eats. وَيَشْرَبَ شُرْبَ And when you drink some drink, that Allah has provided for you and given you as your sustenance and provisions, that you also then praise Allah upon that and say, Alhamdulillah. That is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. Allah is pleased with the servant, that when he eats some food, he says, Alhamdulillah. Praises Allah. And when he drinks some drink, he says Alhamdulillah and praises Allah. In another hadith in Sunan At-Tirmidhi from Mu'adh ibn Anas radiyallahu anhu qal qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam مَنْ أَكَلَ طَعَامًا فَقَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَطْعَمَنِي هَذَا وَرَزَقَنِيهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ حَوْلٍ مِنِّي وَلَا قُوَّةٍ غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ That in this hadith it mentions the Prophet ﷺ said a hadith which was authenticated by Imam al-Albani that the Prophet said whoever eats some food, and then says, Alhamdulillah, all praises to Allah, the one who fed me this food, and provided me this food, without any might or power from myself, with no might, no power from myself. It is Allah who provided me this food and fed me, so whoever thanks Allah and praises Allah after eating the food and recognizes that Allah has blessed you with this with no might or power from yourself, then غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ His sins that have preceded are forgiven for him. His sins are forgiven. The sins that he incurred from the minor sins, they are forgiven for him. The one who praises Allah upon eating the food and recognizes that Allah has bestowed this food upon him and given him this rizq without any might or power from himself. In another hadith in Al-Bukhari from Abu Umama radiyallahu anhu أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا رفع مائدته قال الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه غير مكفي ولا مودع ولا مستغنى عنه ربنا Here then it is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Umama radiyallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam upon eating the food when that ma'ida, ma'ida in reference to the food ma'ida is the spread of the food 
So when that food was there and eating the food, then he would say, Alhamdulillah, hamdan kathiran. That all praise is to Allah with a great praise. Hamdan kathiran, tayyiban mubarakan fihi. A good and blessed, uh, ble- goodness and blessedness in it. That all praise be due to Allah. Alhamdulillahi hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi. That all praise be due to Allah. A great praise, a goodness of praise and blessing within it. So this is again from the supplications indicating the hamd. Indicating the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the remainder of it also mentioning how they are unable to suffice themselves besides Allah. Similar to the other narration about how the food and the rizq was given to you without any might or power from yourselves. In another narration, in An-Nasai, it is mentioned from Abdurrahman ibn Jubair, أَنَّهُ حَدَّثَهُ رَجُلٌ خَدَمَ أَنَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ ثَمَانِ سِنِينَ أَنَّهُ كَانَ يَسْمَعُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِذَا قَرَّبَ إِلَيْهِ طَعَامًا يَقُولُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ وَإِذَا فَرَغَ مِنْ طَعَامِهِ قَالَ اللَّهُمَّ أَطْعَمْتَ وَسَقِيتَ وَأَغْنَيْتَ وَأَقْنَيْتَ وَهَدَيْتَ وَأَحْيَيْتَ فَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ عَلَى مَا أَعْطَيْتَ in this particular narration it mentions, Abdurrahman ibn Jubair mentions that someone who was a servant of the Prophet ﷺ for eight years, somebody who was a servant of the Messenger for eight years, helping and serving the Messenger for eight years, that person said to him that whenever I used to give food to the Messenger, Whenever I used to give food to the messenger, he would say, Bismillah, to start with. Bismillah, to start the eating of the food. And then when he would finish, he would say, Oh Allah, at'amta wa saqita wa aghnayta wa aghnayta wa hadayta wa hayta, falaka alhamd ala ma a'tayta. That, oh Allah, you have fed us and you have quenched our thirst and you have sufficed us and guided us and given us life, for you is all of the praise upon what you have given. Mentioning all of those different things, you fed us and you uh, quenched our thirst, gave us water, and you have enriched us and you guided us and you've given us life. For all of these things, what you have given us, Alhamdu ala ma a'tayta. All praise is for you upon all of that which you have given us. So that is one. One time when you are supposed to say Alhamdulillah upon eating the food and drinking the drink. The second time, Min Mawatin Alhamd, Hamdullahi Fisullah. During the prayer, during the prayer, you are supposed to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wala siyama inda rafi min al rukur. Especially when you rise up out of the ruku'ah. 
ففي صحيح مسلم عن علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا رفع رأسه قال سمع الله لمن حمده ربنا لك الحمد ملء السماوات وملء الأرض وملء ما شئت من شيء بعد That's one of the versions mentioned in Sahih Muslim that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to raise his head up out of the ruku' when you stand up out of the ruku' that he would say Sami'allahu liman hamidah that Allah hears the one who praises him Lakal hamd to you is all the praise Mil as-samawati wa mil al-ard The encompassment, the fill The fill of the heavens and the fill of the earth And the fill, the amount of whatever else after that Whatever it may be that you will So this indicates a comprehensive Complete praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you is the praise, the fill of the heavens and the earth and anything else after that. An absolute full praise to Allah. So that is one of the versions that can be said when rising up out of the ruku'ah. Similarly, in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, Anna Rasulullah sallam kana idha rafa'a ra'sahu min al-ruku'i qal, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he used to raise his head coming out of the ruku'ah, he would say, Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd, mil'a samawati wa mil'a al-ard, wa mil'a ma shi'ta min shay'in ba'd, ahla al-thana'i wal-majd, ahaqqu ma qala al-abd, wa kulluna laka abd, اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد This is also in Sahih Muslim that when the Prophet used to rise out of the ruku' he would say Oh Allah our Lord for you is all the praise ربنا لك الحمد the fill of the heavens and the earth and the fill of anything else you will after that. You are the one deserving, ahla meaning deserving, of the praise and of extolment. And the most deserving of what a servant says. And we are all your servant. And you cannot prevent, uh, or, or no one can prevent what you give. And no one can give what you prevent. And no one can benefit with any might nor power after you. After you. So this again, highlighting all of the praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indicating all of that praise, the fill of the heavens and the earth. Those are the types of supplications that can be said when coming out of the ruku'ah. Some of the longer versions these وروى البخاري في صحيحه عن رفاعة ابن رافع الزرقي رضي الله عنه قال كنا نصلي وراء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فلما رفع رأسه من الركوع قال 
Sami'allahu liman hamida. He says that we were praying behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when he would raise his head out of the ruku' to stand up, he would say, Sami'allahu liman hamida. All praise be due to uh, uh, Allah. He is the one who praises him. Allah, he is the one who praises him. Qala rajulun wara'ahu, a man behind him then said, Rabbana lakal hamd, hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi." A man then said that, O oh, our Lord, for you is all the praise, the complete praise and all of the goodness and the blessings. So then when they finished, the Prophet said, Man al-mutakallim, who is the one who spoke? The man said, Ana, me. قال قد رأيت بضعة وثلاثين ملكا يبتدرونها أيهم يكتبها أول. He said, I saw thirty odd angels, all trying to be the first one to write it. They were all being hasty to be the first one to write that statement. Thirty odd angels, كلها يبتدرونا. Meaning they were trying to race and be at the beginning, be the first one to write that down. وَرَوَى الْبُخَارِيُّ وَمُسْلِمُ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ كَانَ إِذَا قَامَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ يُصَلِّ يَقُولُ اللَّهُمَّ لَكَ الْحَمْدِ أَنْتَ نُورُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ فِيهِنَّ وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ أَنْتَ قَيُّومُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ فِيهِنَّ وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ أَنْتَ الْحَقُّ وَوَعْدُكَ حَقُّ وَلِقَاؤُكَ حَقُّ وَالْجَنَّةُ حَقُّ وَالنَّارُ حَقُّ وَالنَّبِيُّونَ إِلَى آخِرِ الْحَدِيثِ This narration then in Bukhari and Muslim, from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would stand in the night prayer praying, he would say, Allahumma lakal hamd. O oh Allah, for you is the hamd, the praise. Anta nurus samawati wal ard, wa man fihinna. You are the light of the heavens and the earth and that which is within them. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And for you is all the praise. أَنْتَ قَيُّومُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ فِيهِنَّ You are the one who sustains the heavens and the earth and everything within them. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ أَنْتَ الْحَقِّ And for you is all the praise. You are the truth. And your promise is true. And meeting you is truth. It will occur. And paradise is truth, and the fire is truth, and the prophets, and it continues onwards the hadith. But the point is there again highlighting, وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And to you is the praise. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And to you is the praise. وَرَوَى مُسْلِمٌ فِي صَحِيحِ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بِنْ عُمَرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالِ بينما نحن نصلي مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال رجل الله أكبر كبيرا والحمد لله كثيرا وسبحان الله بكرة وأصيلا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من القائل كذا وكذا فقال رجل من القوم أنا قلتها يا رسول الله قال 
عجبت لها فتحت لها أبواب السماء قال ابن عمر فما تركتها منذ سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقولهن حديث إن صحيح مسلم where it mentions Ibn Umar mentions عنhuma, that whilst we were praying with the Prophet وسلم, a man said Allahu Akbar kabiran walhamdulillahi kathiran wasubhanallahi bukratan wa asilan and so the Prophet وسلم, said who said that who said those words so that man said it was me O Messenger of Allah and the Prophet said, I was amazed that the gates of the heavens were opened up for these words. The gates of the heavens were opened up to these words. So Abdullah ibn Umar said, Ma taraktuha mundu samiritu Rasulallahi sallallahu That I never left off saying that after I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu say it. So that's the second time, during the prayer. Especially when you're coming out of the ruku'ah, then those supplications at that time, they all have the hamd and the praise of Allah in them. The third time when it is emphasized and recommended, you're supposed to say the hamd, is at the start of a khutbah or a lecture or any type of speech, that you begin it with the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمِنَ الْمَوَاطِنِ الَّتِي يَتَأَكَّدُ فِيهَا الْحَمْدِ حَمْدُ اللَّهِ فِي ابْتِدَاءِ الْخُطَبِ وَالدُّرُوسِ وَفِبْتِدَاءِ الْكُتُبِ الْمُصَنَّفَةِ وَنَحْوِ ذَلِكَ And not only physical lectures, but at the beginning of books. That when the author starts the writing of his book, he begins with the praise of Allah. And that's what you find. When you look at the books of the scholars, the opening page, the introduction is the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before they go into the subject. Rawa Ahlul Sunan, the Ashabu Sunan, they narrated from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, قال, that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, عَلَّمَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ خُطْبَةَ الْحَاجَةِ that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us khutbatul haja that is the opening khutbah that you give before starting the rest of the talk and the lecture and whatever it might be and he said he was taught or they were taught to say alhamdulillahi nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina مَنْ يَهْدِيهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ That all praise is to Allah, we seek His aid and assistance, and we seek His forgiveness, and we seek His protection, seek the protection in Allah from the evils of ourselves, and from the evils of our actions. Whomsoever Allah guides, مَنْ يَهْدِيهِ اللَّهُ then there is no one to misguide. And whomsoever is misguided, then there is no one to guide him. وَيُسْتَحَبُّ الْبَدْءُ بِهِ فِي تَعْلِيمِ النَّاسِ 
وفي الخطب سواء كانت خطبة نكاح أو خطبة جمعة أو غيرها and it is recommended to use the khutbah like that that starting section at the beginning of lectures at the beginning of classes at the beginning of all of those kinds of gatherings and sittings where you're going to teach the people to begin with that khutbatul haja also even when uh, the jumuah happens the jumuah khutbah should begin with that too inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu the khatib should begin with that at the start of the khutbah as well and even when the nikah is done, when the nikah is done, the imam or whoever is going to conduct the nikah, then that person should begin with the khutbatul haja there as well, in the nikah, before then going on to conduct the remainder of the nikah, of the uh, marriage. The fourth time where it is recommended to say alhamdulillah and to praise Allah is any time when some blessing comes to you. Any time when some blessing comes to you or some harm is removed from you. Maybe you were in some difficult situation and then Allah makes a way out for you. So then you praise Allah upon that, Alhamdulillah. Or some blessing comes to you, didn't have it, and then suddenly some blessing comes to you, is decreed for you, then say Alhamdulillah. كَمَا يُسْتَحَبُّ الْحَمْدُ عِنْدَ حُصُولِ نِعْمَةً أو اندفاع مكروه سواء حصل ذلك للحامد نفسه أو لقريبه أو لصاحبه أو للمسلمين and that doesn't even have to be you specifically maybe some blessing happens to one of your family members you can say alhamdulillah upon that maybe some harm is removed from one of your family members they were in some difficulty but then Allah removes that from them you can say alhamdulillah as well or even generally the Muslims the Muslim ummah some goodness happens for the ummah, alhamdulillah. Some harm is taken away from the ummah, maybe someone being oppressed or some nation being oppressed and then Allah makes a way out for them, alhamdulillah. So that can be done generally, not even yourself specifically. The fifth, uh, fifth, fifth I think now, the fifth time when it is also recommended to say alhamdulillah, and many people will know this one, it is after sneezing. وَيَتَأَكَّدُ الْحَمْدُ إِذَا عَطَصَ الْعَبْدِ So when a person, when a servant sneezes, then it is also recommended, it is also a sunnah emphasized to say Alhamdulillah at that time. وَالْعَطَاصْ نِعْمَ عَظِيمًا مِنْ نِعْمِ اللَّهِ عَلَى عِبَادِهِ And sneezing is a blessing. From the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِذْ بِهِ يَزُولَ الْمُحْتَقَنْ فِي الْأَنْفِ Because by sneezing you remove what was clogged up in your nose. وَالَّذِي قَدْ يَكُونُ فِي بَقَائِهِ أَذَى أَوْ ضَرَرْ عَلَى الْعَبْدِ And that mucus and other things, if it was to just stay there, then it would maybe be harmful to a person. The various affairs within the nose, if they all remain in there and never come out, it could be harmful to a person. So it is a blessing that whatever is in the nose is removed by the sneezing action. وَلِهَذَا يَتَأَكَّدُ عَلَى الْعَبْدِ حَمْدُ اللَّهِ عَلَى هَذِهِ النِّعْمَةِ رَوَى الْبُخَارِيُّ فِي صَحِيحِهِ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ إِذَا عَطَصَ أَحَدُكُمْ فَلْيَقُلْ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ 
in the hadith in Al-Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said that when one of you sneezes, then he needs to say, Alhamdulillah. وَلْيَقُلْ لَهُ أَخُوهُ أَوْ صَاحِبُهُ And the other person, if there's another person with him, then he has to say, يَرْحَمُكَ اللَّهُ May Allah have mercy upon you. And if he says that to him, then the first person, the one who sneezed, he's supposed to say then, فَلْيَقُلْ إِذَا قَالَ لَهُ يَرْحَمُكَ اللَّهُ فَلْيَقُلْ يَهْدِيكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيُصْلِحْ بَالَكُمْ May Allah guide you and make your 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 intellect upright. May Allah guide you and make your affairs, your intellect, your mind upright and good. The sixth time, يُسْتَحَبُّ لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَحْمَدَ اللَّهِ إِذَا رَأَى مُبْتَلًا بِعَاهَ أَوْ نَحْوِهَا Another time when it is in the sunnah for you to praise Allah is when you see someone who has some type of, like we say these days, disability. You see someone with some disability or with some issue uh, upon them, some some uh, physical deformity or some disability. So you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who blessed you, uh, uh, and also bless that individual with this test and trial that can be a means to raise him if he's patient upon that and persists and continues. So it mentions in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, مَنْ رَأَى مُبْتَلًا فَقَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي عَافَانِي مِمَّا بْتَلَاكَ بِهِ وَفَضَّلَنِي عَلَى كَثِيرٍ مِمَّنْ خَلَقَ تَفْضِيلًا لَمْ يُصِبْهُ ذَلِكَ الْبَلَاءِ So when you see someone afflicted by something, afflicted generally, doesn't even have to be the physical deformity, any type of affliction. You see someone afflicted by something, and you say, Alhamdulillah, all praise be to Allah, the one who kept me safe from this affliction that you have been afflicted with. And he favored me upon much of what he favored the creation with, and did not afflict me with that affliction. So you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing that he has given you. So those were six, I think, Six occasions. The first was upon eating and drinking. The second was during the prayer. The third was at the start of lectures or lessons. The fourth was when some blessing occurs to you. Uh, some blessing occurs to you or some evil is removed from you or your family members or the ummah as a whole. The fifth was upon sneezing. And the sixth was when you see someone afflicted with a calamity then you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what he blessed you with. And then you can say also generally, يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَكُونَ حَامِدًا لِلَّهِ فِي سَرَّائِهِ وَذَرَّائِهِ That you should always constantly be upon the praise of Allah in secrecy or in open whenever that is in harm and in ease, in times of happiness and in times of difficulty. وَفِي شِدَّتِهِ وَرَخَائِهِ Same meaning in times of difficulty and ease. وَفِي سَائِرِ شُؤُونِهِ And in all of his affairs. And it's mentioned in a hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا رَأَى مَا يُحِبُّهُ قَالَهِ 
that when the messenger used to see something that he liked, something that was pleasing to him, then he would say, Alhamdulillahi alladhi bin'amatihi tatimmu salihat That all praise is due to Allah by whose blessing or whose uh, blessing by whose blessing all of the good actions they are completed they are fulfilled by the blessing of Allah all praises to Allah through his blessing by which the goodness is achieved and completed and fulfilled وَإِذَا رَأَ مَا يكره, and when he saw something he disliked قال الحمد لله على كل حال that all praises to Allah in every circumstance, regardless of this circumstance, regardless of this thing that was displeasing. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. All praises due to Allah upon every circumstance and situation, regardless of what it may be. فَهَذِهِ بَعْضُ الْمَوَاطِنِ الَّتِي يَتَأَكَّدُ فِيهَا الْحَمْدِ مِمَّا وَرَدَتْ بِهِ سُنَّةِ وَسَيَمُرْ مَعَنَا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ الْإِشَارَةُ إِلَى مَوَاطِنِ أُخْرَى so here, what we've covered there are some of the times when it is more emphasized for a person to say Alhamdulillah and to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the chapters that follow up, there'll be some more occasions mentioned and some more times mentioned when a person can also uh, do the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is where we'll conclude on for today then on that section regarding the different occasions when you can say Alhamdulillah. There are still a few more points to mention about Alhamdulillah. So we'll continue with some more of those next time in the next lesson inshallah. Any questions up to there? Should we start with Basmala or Alhamdulillah? Yeah, Bismillah generally you can say that. Bismillah can be said Bismillah and then Alhamdulillah. That's okay because Bismillah is mentioned as well to start everything with the Bismillah. So you can start with the Basmala, Bismillah and then go into the Khutbah Al-Hajjah. That's under the category of shirk. If a person goes to the grave of a dead person to look for some type of shafa'a, some type of intercession, makes a dua hoping that this dead person will take his dua to Allah for him. Like some of them say, we are sinners, Allah is not going to answer our dua. Go to the grave of the great imam and the wali of Allah who died. Ask him to take your dua to Allah, You've got more chance of it being answered. That's shirk. That's exactly what the mushrikun used to do. That's exactly what they used to do. They used to go to their idols thinking that this will help them and give them a better chance of getting closer to Allah. Allah tells us in the Quran, they used to say, مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَا إِلَى اللَّهِ We don't worship them except for them to bring us closer to Allah. 
And Allah tells us in the Quran, they used to say, هَأُولَاءِ شُفَعَاءُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ These are our intercessors with Allah. And was any of that acceptable? None of it. They were declared kuffar and the Prophet ﷺ fought against them. So doing this kind of action is shirk, it is impermissible. Even at the grave of the messenger. You can't even go to the grave of the messenger, make dua to him, take my dua to Allah, messenger. Impermissible. You make dua to Allah directly. Call upon Allah directly. Hmm. Um, I've got a question. Um, sometimes, like when I when I read salah at my local university prayer room, so it happened to me the other day when I was praying. Some people they randomly like, join you when you're let's say praying supererogatory prayers, hmm. and then they sort of establish a jamaah with you, but the iqaman has not been established before that. So you're just praying normally, and someone comes next to you and starts praying with you, and then hmm. what do you do in that case? Do you do a jamaah? Is that allowed? It's allowed. It is allowed. It's not a condition for the prayer that the iqama had to be done. You're praying, especially in these university mosques and these kinds of places or, or uh, service stations and things where there's no fixed imam. People come in, they pray, they go. So you might be there praying, just sunnah or something, the obligatory prayer is gone. Somebody else comes in, another student or something, they tap you and they join with you. It's permissible. You become the imam, it's a jama'ah. He could be praying his fard prayer, you're praying your nafal, no problem. So if you let's say Maghrib or Isha, if you've been like quiet, let's say the first... Then Maghrib, you should become loud then if you join the jama'ah, yeah. yeah. Because sunnah prayer, you can pray loud, no problem with that. Nafal sunnah prayer can be prayed loud. Your intention is sunnah. Hmm? Is there any this? No, no. This is allowed. It's permissible allowed. It's in the evidences. Mu'ad ibn Jabal used to pray with uh, his community. Or he used to pray with the Prophet Wasallam, And then he used to come back and lead his community the same prayer. Which means he was praying sunnah. And they were all praying Isha. He was the imam for the Isha prayer. But he already prayed it with the Prophet So his intention when he came to lead them, he was praying sunnah. And they were praying fard. Permissible, no problem. The having the different intention is allowed. And the doesn't need to be That's not it's a not a condition for the prayer. Not That's not a condition. No. So can you pray three or four sunnah? Three or four sunnah of what? Okay. Not three. Why would you pray three? So you, for example, you're doing and you're coming in love. No, he's just going to pray his sunnah. If he's praying two sunnah, and they, it's just after Maghrib time, so you know they've tapped you because they want to pray Maghrib. They're just going to get up and finish it. After your two, you sit down. You're not going to pray three now. You just pray your normal two, so not finish. Then those people will get up and pray their third rakah by themselves. Hmm. You know, if you are the imam in that case, like they make you the imam, hmm. you have to then start being loud. Like, is, is that yeah, you should then. You should. Yeah, you should. Because now jama'ah is being established, and it's from the sunnah of the jama'ah prayer for the Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr. That the recitation is loud in those uh, uh, earlier rakaat. So you should do that, you should. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sunnah prayers. Sunnah prayers you can pray at, uh, you know, with a, uh, an audible voice that can be prayed as well. Oh. So is the khutbah al for non-Islamic discussions perhaps like academic? No. The khutbah al is not for academic discussions. You wouldn't uh, do it for that reason. This is the praise of Allah upon affairs that are dini, not dunyawi. If you're going to do, uh, uh, you know, you imagine you're a teacher, you're a geography teacher, that's your job. You're not going to go to school and start all your classes with khutbah al-hajah. It's not in those kinds of affairs. This is for dini affairs, the religious aspect of it. Anything else, you're not going to do it on just general affairs like that. Installment, they take some extra money. So, is that money under the category of interest? 
Yeah, that's like if you go to a dealership, they say this car is 5,000 pounds cash today. But if you want it in installments over 12 months, we're going to charge you whatever we charge you. It's going to work out at 6,000. Now take it today, 5,000, it's yours. But if you want to pay in installments, then it's going to be this amount, whatever the figures work out. And in 12 months, your final fee you're going to pay us then is going to be 6,000 pounds. That's permissible. Because as long as the final fee is a fixed fee, a fixed fee with the fixed installments, that's allowed. So I can say to you, for example, I'll sell you my car now, £5,000 today you can take it. But you say, I need uh, three months to pay you. I need three months. I'm going to get some more cash next month and next month I'll be able to get all the, the money together in three months. I say, okay, but if you're going to take three months to pay me, then you know I have to wait around for you to give me the money and three months. I want 5500 in that case. And let's fix it now. Every month you give me this much. And after three months, you paid off the 5500 Fixed amount over those installments, that's permissible. That's not considered interest. Interest is different. That is a fixed transaction. Hmm. So when they add like 10% to 15% APR, that is permissible. If they do what? Usually they add like 10% APR, so at the end of three months, you're paying an extra amount. No, but the way they do it, uh, all the APR and all this kind of business, it's not fixed amounts. Most of the time, it's not fixed amounts. Even if they claim fixed amount, this fixed amount, that all of it is based upon inflation rates and interest and all types of things. You're never going to have a contract telling you it's only this amount you're going to pay, and you're never going to pay more than that. If it is an exact fixed amount, then it's permissible as an installment transaction. But APR and these kind of things, I don't really think that comes into this fixed amount installments. Usually that's not going to work. In Khubar Haja, this wording of Khairul Huda, some say Khairul Huda, some say Khairul Hadi. That's okay, it's the same thing, from the family tree of words in Arabic. It's possible, it's possible. If the masjid is nearby, then is it obligation on the person to go in the masjid and pray? Of course, yeah. This is the strongest opinion of the scholars. Obligation. Yeah, I mean, there are some scholars who have the opinion that the obligation is jama'ah, not necessarily the mosque. That's an opinion that does exist. Some scholars have the opinion, for men, the obligation is to pray the five daily prayers in jama'ah. Not necessarily in the mosque, could be in your home, could be somewhere else, but that's a weaker opinion. The strongest and correct opinion is the obligation on the men is jama'ah in the mosque. Um, I want to ask some people when they go to like places like Turkey, Morocco, they might go on holiday. And what like some, some of my, what my friends have said that they did, they went to certain masajid to like visit them, maybe for like the architecture, the mm. books, etc. And they're at kabur, but sometimes inside or outside the masjid, and they like kabur of some of the Sahaba, for example, like Abu Yub and Ansari, I think, is in Turkey, his grave. Mm. So all they do is they go visit the masjid, and then they'll visit the grave next to it, but they won't like do any shit or anything. They'll just like make dua for the person in the grave. Is this like allowed to visit certain sites like this as a basis, like for, for like for tourist reason, tourism reasons, to like have a look and then go to the place that is next to it? I mean, you know, no. So they are going to those mosques because they know that the grave of such and such a companion or whatever is there as well. If they know that and they're going for that reason, then absolutely it's impermissible, absolutely. But if you're on uh, holiday in Turkey or Morocco and then it's time for the prayer and then you see a mosque. And you walk in, yeah. 
and then all of a sudden you find out there's graves. If it's in the mosque, then you walk out anyway, you don't stay there. You see a grave in the mosque, walk out and go somewhere else and pray. But then if you see the grave outside, still, still you don't go to visit the grave or anything. Still you don't go there to visit the grave. There's no reason to visit any of those graves. There's only three graves where it is sunnah to visit them. And that's the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, the grave of Baqiyah, and the grave of the Shuhada. Otherwise, generally going to the graveyards is a sunnah, generally. To the graveyard, you can go to your relatives, etc. Permissible to make dua for them. But this kind of thing where this is a companion or claimed to be a companion anyway, and there's no establishment of truth if it's true or not, claimed that this was a companion. And then to go there and to visit the grave and make dua for that, that's not uh, uh, correct to be doing those kind of things. What about in Saudi, like, where they go to the, you know, where the, the Mount Prophet is and the grave of, I think, the Hamza of Dibah mm. is there. Sometimes they will see the grave there. Uh, Mount no, Mount Uhud is permissible to go to the graves, though. It's a sunnah to go to the uh, Mount Uhud. Uh, that's okay. That's okay to go there and, and make dua and give salam uh, or to make dua. That's permissible to do that. Is there any issue with using terms like? We have the hospital here, St. James. What is it? What is it? Jimmy. Jimmy's. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, these obviously they've named them after their so-called saints and things. So, if you're probably going to think about it, it's not suitable and befitting to use those kinds of titles, but what are you going to do? You live in this country, Kafir country, and these are the consequences. So how do you determine where the grave is in the boundary of the mosque? Like sometimes it's not inside the praying area, but it's still inside the... Uh, no, technically the mosque, it's the building of the mosque, the walls of the mosque. Then you could sometimes have a saha, an outside courtyard. If it's within the courtyard, it's still on dodgy ground. <clears throat> if it's outside of the courtyard, then it's outside of the mosque completely. Because even at the Prophet's mosque and Masjid Nabawi, there's a, a difference of opinion between the scholars. Is the courtyard part of the mosque or not? So if it's in the walls of the mosque, no doubt, haram, impermissible. Then outside of the mosque, sometimes they have a boundary, fences. That's part of the mosque property and everything. At the courtyard of the mosque outside, even there, it's on dodgy ground. Outside of that, you know it's completely separate from the mosque now. All right, we'll conclude upon that for today. Inshallah, resume next week. Then with the next section.